And good evening, I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we're gonna get real. I don't think I have had as many comments about an upcoming interview as I have this one. Um, and some of them kind of, just to be really honest, make me want to laugh because it's, um, you know, I, I just, the world is just nuts. And I don't, um, you know, part of what I do here is just give people a voice and you don't have to agree with what they say or what, what, what their story is, but we listen and we learn from other people's stories. Um, and um, I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in, well, I don't know, I don't want to get all over it, but anyway, we're, we're going to have an interesting story and I think it's going to open our minds to some stuff and um, it should be really uh, very, very interesting uh, what's going on here. But first I want to get my sponsors uh, plugged. So Fairway Independent Mortgage, Greg, where are you? I'm going to give you a full screen because you deserve it. Had lunch with Greg just a little bit ago. He's an independent mortgage company. Uh, he's a lender. He works out of Helena, Montana, but he also works in Washington State and Oregon. And if you're looking for mortgage needs, when you move from Oregon to Washington or Washington to Oregon or Washington to Montana, you got to have somebody who can take you through both states. And he can do that. He's a great guy. Other sponsors. Boom. Chris Dental family dentistry and denture center michael bratlin has been with us from the beginning this guy puts his his he puts everything on the line he does not care what you think um you know i mean he's not obnoxious he just is a guy that you know if, if he believes that backing the blue he'll put a billboard up in springfield oregon and only the people who don't understand that you can back police and um and not be racist at the same time understand um, just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. And so uh, I'm up there with him where I was and uh, everybody, well, not everybody, but a bunch of uh, police dislikers uh, called me a, a, a racist. And everybody knows because you like police doesn't make you a racist. It has to do with racism and people's race, not what they do for a living. But, you know, who am I? What do I know? I'm just an educated guy. You know, I read a poll that they said people who critically think are much more intelligent than people who don't. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with that. But anyway, Dr. Bratlin does dentures, they do your teeth care, they do all the things you need, and he's really good at doing crowns. Our other sponsor, boom. New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. If you have not done hyperbarics yet, you need to try it, it's awesome good on your body. It's just, it's pure oxygen. You lay in a tank for an hour and boy, things happen. I'm telling you, it is an amazing, amazing thing. So uh, Matt McCarl, uh, one of our also longtime sponsors also believes in freedom and people being able to say what they want to say. And tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hear from somebody who does say what he wants to say. And you may not agree with him, but it really doesn't matter because he's going to tell his story. Now, let me bring him on. Colin Davis McCarthy, Boy, you put a little post out saying you're going to be on my show. And oh, my gosh, it was like people are just coming. You know, and you have a lot of support in the community. But the, I think because of what happened in the, you know, what's going on with this, um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation. And, and so you and I had talked. Somebody had given me your information, said, you know, bring you on. Uh, they said, hey, remember the guy back in April who threw out couple hundred thousand dollars worth of hundred dollar bills on the freeway. <laughs> this is the guy. This is the man. So 
in keeping with that theme, since you are about taking your shirt off your back and giving it to other people, I thought, you know, I should probably be in on this whole thing too. <laughs> I love well, it. Hey, we, if you send me yours, I'll send you mine. Deal? Yeah, we'll switch. We'll switch shirts. I'll get, <laughs> but I get the Robin Hood shirt that way. You just get right. some something from from here. So, Collins, um, for people that don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't even honestly know where to start with this. Um, and and for, for people out there who who have you know been sending me emails about, are you going to ask him this? Because blah blah blah. I did call Colin and say I want to ask you some other questions because I don't pull just something over someone's eyes. So we are going to address some of the other issues and the controversies that are out there, and you can speak to the ones that you can. But why don't you start with? kind of and and you know make the you and i spent a, an hour and a half on the phone yesterday this has to be the reader's condensed version of that okay, <laughs> okay. sure so so tell me what kind of what happened and when it happened and again for the folks out there we're not going to use company names or names of anyone who's um that he's alleging did something so we're going to keep that real clean and but we're going to have you tell your story so tell me what happened sure so um let's see how did i get here I, uh, well, originally I'm born and raised in Eugene and I, oh, I was probably in my early twenties, 21 or so, 22. And I, um, split with the partner I was at at the time and moved to Eugene. And at that time I was a convicted felon on probation, trying to, you know, get a roof over my head, trying to find a job, trying to get benefits, trying to I don't know. I guess at least just prove that I had made a mistake. I was trying to get my life back together and follow all the loopholes that were set up for me. Right. And played by all those rules. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job at a very, very, very good company. Um, and that job, and, and yeah. that's not for a felon. I have a numerous friends who are felons and you, you have to tell every time you go to a job interview. So somebody sees on their felon, they don't know what that means. And, you know, it just it's but it, it's a mark. It's like if everybody in the audience went in for a job application and you had to put something that was super negative on there that meant you probably wouldn't get this job. And that's how you go into every job when you're in that position. Right. Exactly. I mean, most uh, anyone who's, um, you know, hasn't had mistakes and um, had to carry that mark on their record. Um, you know, they, when they turn in a resume or an application, they're trying to sell themselves, right? They're telling all the benefits and as like a ex-con or a convict or a felon, anything like that, you're going in there and it doesn't matter what kind of benefits you usually bring to the team or whatever organization it is. That's the, like, they'll see that goes right to the round recycling bin. And, um, and that's kind of a scary thing when you don't, you know, you just want to have a roof over your head or, or feed your kids or yourself and, and just have a fresh start, right? So you get this job and then what happens? So the job was great. The job was great. Um, amazing company. And, uh, you know, just had a, a family kind of feeling um, amongst coworkers. Right. And um, elated that I even got the job. Uh, I couldn't believe it really because I, I just didn't understand why. Um, but I gave it my all. I exceeded in the company. You know, I met all the goals. I was always great with customers. Um, and then I was invited to a lake trip with my manager and another coworker from our branch and ended up going down to Lake Shasta and uh, 
we all got drunk on a boat and had a house rented on the lake and it was just a bunch of the guys and you know all the top sales guys in the company president of sales um all the big players that i was brushing shoulders with including my current boss that was like hey you know i'm looking around going this is this is the boat to be in right you're hanging around all the big dogs right this, is, this was my road to making it and having a life and having a good job and having a great paycheck and having the dream right and well that night it turned out to be a little bit less than that um and events started happening that night when i was drunk asleep on a couch um hands were wandering when i woke up from a drunken sleep it was short-lived i didn't react um but after that i had discussions with this person and it became uh relationships started kind of becoming closer closer and he would use these company trips that are meant to be a reward for hitting your numbers, you know, and, and doing your job essentially. But it was like a pat on the back out of boy company dime. Here's a check, jump on the plane. Everyone's going to get drunk all weekend. That's what everyone else was doing. But while I was on those trips, this guy was coming to my hotel room and assaulting me or cornering me and making me do all the things that I didn't want to do for his own pleasure, you know, and this was, known by plenty of people who are the top salespeople in that company. And, and you've had, you've had other people you said come forward. Sure. Um, this all started back uh, uh, in January of 2022. I quit my job after working for them for a second time. Um, these abuses all took place starting about 13 years ago and carried on for a few years before I quit and disappeared into the shadows and tried to just hide. Um, why didn't you I, say, why didn't you say anything? I was ashamed. I was a felon. Um, I thought, given what my felony was, that all he would have to do or anyone would have to do if I brought attention to me was just say, I did one thing wrong. And the way my deal was written was all I had to do was one thing wrong and I'd go away for like six, seven years, right? And um, and not to mention just ruin my life all over again. Um, and the real world consequences of coming forward as a victim of rape or sexual assault, you can see playing out um, on the world stage of what family gets to say and I don't get to say, right? No one asked me my comments or my side of the story, why I threw the money. They just took someone else's word, didn't even include the fact that that money was rape hush money paid to me by my victim and my company that I worked for. Um, none of that was listed there. So, um, you know, there, there are real world consequences that are scary for a victim, but I also want to highlight that my life's never been better, right? Since I started talking about it, um, and finally so trying a, to heal. So as a man, uh, to be, you know, I mean, and I don't, I, as I say that, I think, oh, I better back up here a little bit, any kind of sexual assault, man to woman, woman to woman, man to man. But I want to focus in on just because you and I are two dudes and that has to be a little bit embarrassing when, when you know what I mean, or sh shameful. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Tons of shame. I carried shame. I, um, I still do a little bit. Um, and, and I'll elaborate on that. The shame that I didn't say something sooner. Right. Because when I originally came out and made a Facebook post that turned into this money that turned into the freeway, I had other victims of this man reach out to me. 
and tell me their stories of them too. He did things to them too, right? So you so you put out a Facebook post and that's how the settlement all started. Yeah. That's how the settlement came. I gave I made public posts about what happened and who did it after I quit my job the second time. And I gave them an ultimatum. I said, you know, uh, have him quit or fire him. Believe me, right? Like believe my story. You guys know I'm not lying. Why would I lie? What, what benefit do I have to lie about this and just blow my life up, right? And no one believed me. My, even my own family had said I deserved it or asked for it. I was lying. I was looking for attention or I wanted the money. I think this pretty much proves that wrong, right? This was never about money. This is about, you can't just buy justice, right? Like he's continued this behavior for decades. He was convicted in 1987 in Portland for doing this to young men right? Who were at, he was working at a high school up there and was convicted. So he's moved from young high school boys to college boys that he can legally give a check to and have you sign an NDA. So your family doesn't believe you? They believed me enough once the money hit to spend it. I don't think they believed me enough to support whatever I saw my healing process to be, right? As soon as it became uncomfortable for them, they left me to die. And, and as you and I, you know, and I got emails and you and I've talked about this, but I got emails from people and you've had, you know, you have a restraining order um, against you and your, your wife and your child because you broke in and into your house. Um, You have um, people, you know, um, you are, you were, you, you and I had a really honest conversation. You're an addict. You, you, you were. I don't know if you're always an addict. I'm, I kind of struggle with that one. It's something that you you have to accept that it's something that will be part of your life for the rest of your life if you want to be successful at having any sort of grasp on that, so, um, so, which I acknowledge. So your choices were not great during this time? No, no, not at all. I was in an active relapse of a mental health crisis. Um, I was in a lot of things. I was suicidal. Um You know, and if I didn't have sober friends or people who were willing to love me till I could love myself again, I probably wouldn't be be here giving the interview and whatever story the news put out would have been the end of my story that my kids read, right? Because they had driven me to that point between my abuser, my family, the money. No one else cared about me until they did. So... So somebody wrote me and said that that your um, the money came from your grandfather. It didn't come from a settlement or anything. That nothing happened. What do you say to that? I I appreciate you bringing that up because I um, lots of estates have rules written in um, that you cannot discuss estates outside of those listed on the estate itself. So I won't comment on that, but I can comment on none of the money that landed on the road or into my Edward Jones investment account in six, in seven figures. Um, None of that is from my family that came from my employer and my abuser. I can't say that for fact. What would you do differently, Colin? I mean, it's really easy. I've, you know, I have made my share of foibles. Like if you could go back and go, what would I, 
what would I do differently if I could? Now, obviously you wouldn't be an addict, but you can't, that's not really something you, you know, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how you handled this. What would you do differently? You know, even hitting rock bottom has its own silver lining. Um, I don't think I would have tried as hard to better myself, um, reflect on what's important. Um, what is important to you? My original goal of justice. And um, I think I, I did get a taste of it or some satisfaction of it, um, knowing that it caused him and them enough to sit down at a table and cut a check with my goddamn name on it, that it became a little more real, that people started believing me, at least in that little room there where they were signing those checks. The thing is, is that I know that there's dozens more, just like me, that this guy got that are waiting to talk. I just threw the receipts on the freeway for the world to see. That's just part of it, right? Come get yours. Come talk. I will show up and I will be there for everybody. So earlier on their phone call, you and I talked and I said, do you have any kind of um, paperwork or something from your lawyers or anybody that says that this happened? And what's your answer to that? I have to anyone who thinks that it didn't happen, meaning to clarify, are you saying that the payment wasn't made or that the events took place? I would say both. Probably, Colin, let's go with both. Okay. Because if you, let's say you're making this up and, sure. and you had, you know, well, I don't know where you have $300,000 stuffed away, but I'm just saying, let's say you, you make it up or 400 or a thousand. I don't know what it is. We haven't talked about numbers. I, I gave I the state police a chance to count the money on the front seat. They just looked oh. and go, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of, I mean, I think you have to answer that question for people because if you don't have a paperwork or something saying, I got this, I just want you to explain to people why you don't. And um, I, because maybe let's stick with that. Let's, let's go with that first. Where's the paperwork that says, this money was given to you? How, uh, I think a screenshot of my Edward Jones would probably show that uh, over a million dollars in four weeks is probably something, you know? Right. Um, was there something legal signed or? I have, I have everything. I mean, we can, I can, depending upon how big we want to go and what lawyers say, I'll, I'll put everything online. We can, we can blow this thing wide open. And there's record of his convictions. He's still convicted. The judges refuse to vacate it because he is a habitual predator. So what do you, how, how frustrated are you that people, um, I'm going to guess that you're a guy who's been probably misunderstood your whole life. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. Um, we have something in common. Um, I'm going to guess that having your family and people saying things that they're saying and the story, it, it, that's gotta be un, a little bit unnerving for you. Absolutely. Um, because it's false and it's, um, you know, it's hurt my name. It's hurt, uh, my mission even, or my statement, I guess, if you will, it's hurt my 
own healing process, which I don't think would be fair for anyone to tell any victim of anything, they're how they should heal. Right. Right. Um, Do you think it's different because you're a man? I would agree with that statement. I think uh, also that I was a married man probably and going through a divorce, you know, obviously that's one of the chords that struck with the media that they go perfect. Yeah. He's the estranged husband who just threw his wife's settlement, you know, that story sold instead of being like, Oh, that's kind of sad. That was a rape victim. And he just threw the money meant to go get him help. You know, was that her money? I'm not a lawyer. It was paid to me for damages before we were even married. So that's where the stuff comes from. Cause I had a couple emails and they said, yeah, but you know, this guy, he took that, he took the money from his family, like his wife and daughter and family and that kind of thing. And to that, you say what? There's plenty of money left. What it's was not fair. To, it's not fair to say they're left penniless when I have, um, you know, a be, careful, from, be, be careful on details. Okay. Just, I don't want you to get um, in trouble. Like how much? And I, I would, I would just say the, the statements that were published or being said that my family meaning my ex-wife or my children were left penniless, completely false. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Is it hard to be, um, I don't know how to word this, Colin, but um, I'll just say it like I'm, well, I'm thinking it. And if people take offense to it, that's fine. Um, I mean, you're a felon. So was what? Yeah, I totally agree. And I should thank you for correcting me that. <laughs> But that label follows you around. So it makes if if you weren't, do you think your story would have more credibility? Yeah, sure. Or maybe it could even add to it because I believe that this is the perfect example just because I have that label and I did deserve that label and I deserve to be freed from that label when I completed the obligations that were set up in a court of law and I satisfied those and they removed those. Um, but that should be a lesson that just because I did have a felony or had, if I had a felony right now, I would have made the same choice. That does not change the heart that I have in here or my ability to think for myself and make a rational choice. And you still were victimized. At least your story is you were victimized. And because of the felon, this is the part that interests me the most. I'm trying to be careful for people, but because you were kind of put at a disadvantage when, when we put a felon status on someone, um, you, um, we take away as a society, part of your voice. You know what I mean? If, if that had happened to me, there would be no excuse for me. And I, I, I don't mean excuse. That's the very wrong word. I'd have nothing to keep me from going and saying something except embarrassment, which is a big deal. And I bet a lot of men get put in a situation like that and don't say anything because they are embarrassed by it. I would not be because <laughs> I'd be so freaking pissed. But you, we, we had chains on your arms so that you couldn't do anything because you had no other options. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and honestly, it felt like that too with um, my lawyers taking the deal and, and then, knowing that I could never talk about this. Right. And then not only that, that they were going to um, pay me five years of salary in five years, if I didn't talk. Right. Like, 
So they were so, telegraphing that there was golden parachutes being handed out so that they could go and save these people and their banks and because they know the storm is coming. So so the money is like you say is payoff and and to uh, to keep you quiet. Um, you failed. <laughs> Tricked them again. Doctor says it's permanent. So did they know? Did your lawyers know that you were not going to be silent? I'm going to say no comment. Okay. Um, but you knew from the beginning that you weren't going to be quiet. Absolutely. This was never about money, Rick. So, I, I tried to help as many people as I could before and, I started talking. Um, and I'll because you, I know they're coming for it, right? And Yeah. And in your defense, I've had many emails, even people that were questioning you, you know, about where this came from, that you personally helped them with their business, gave money to employees, um, stuff like that. So you have, I mean, I, I, it's, it's an interesting thing because I wonder you, I know they call you Robin hood and your family probably cringes when that comes up, <laughs> but, but, but I, they'll I wonder, always be known as my family. <laughs> but, but I wonder if Robin hood um, wasn't looked at the same way as sort of, and um, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I do. I know exactly what you're I'm, saying. I'm he, he wasn't being, popular with everybody. Right. And yeah. And when you stand out there and do something. So when you threw that money out, however many thousands, a hundred, I said that, whatever. $2,500, $100 bills, buddy. When you threw that out, um, what were you, what was going on in your head? You know, I sat there as I was driving with a bundle of $10,000 in my hand and the backpack sitting in the passenger seat. And I go, are we going to do this Colin?" in my head? And I go, we're going to do it. And I just went Yeet! <laughs> and out the window and it, I can't describe the feeling because it, and honestly, unless you've probably been in this situation, you probably don't know because I get the question all the time. Why would you throw that kind of money? Yeah. But that money, every time I looked at it, every time I saw a dollar or a, a comma on that, it was like, that is just fucking filthy money. Yeah. Dirty blood money. And as soon as it hit that wind and just went, I had washed it for everybody. It's clean money. It's a gift. My gift to you guys. Do something <laughs> great, right? Like I made everyone's wildest dream happen in real time right like who does that nobody this guy <gasps> so what do you say to your critics who say he's not robin hood he's just a hood grab some popcorn we're just getting started <laughs> what do you what does that mean what do you mean you're just getting started can't talk about it oh man I'll follow along <laughs> so we're that? having fun. We're having fun. It's safe. Don't worry. What was the What was the deepest, darkest moment? <sighs> That's hard. Um, two, two definite ones stand out, and that would probably be during mediation. Once we had officially given them a letter saying, Hey, it's our intent to file in Multnomah court, this making it public record. 
but it was like, okay, boom, mediation, right? And then I had to tell this story over and over and over and over again. And, you know, these guys are just doing their job playing Switzerland, but it's like, it's so hard to say those kind of things to someone who's paid and their job is just to be stoic, right? Right. Well, and that was just, you're kind that of was just, out, you're outing stuff about yourself. Yeah. For the whole, yeah. that whole room of people I don't know, don't trust. I bet you have a much more sensitivity towards rape victims, female, and understand, you know what I mean? Of other, I do, and especially other. having two daughters. Um, it's terrifying. And and it's terrifying for me, for men too, because I've been there, right? Like I've seen the worst of men and women, and that's kind of like what makes me do what I do, right? Like, and, and I, I can understand both sides of the coin, and I feel like we all should try and understand more. We should all try and have these really uncomfortable conversations because this is where the change starts happening, right? This is where my healing starts. This is where someone out there who's going to watch this goes, no, no one's going to understand. He's going to go, holy shit. This guy. Yeah. Follow me on Facebook. Send me a message. I'm there for you, right? Like if, if your family doesn't believe you or doesn't love you, the world and I will love you until they will, or, or you can love yourself, right? Like, right. It, it's a so- community thing. So somebody wrote me and said, he's doing this for the attention. And you say what? They're not wrong. Like if I'm, if I'm bragging, I'm bragging to other victims to say, look at what you can do. Do this. Robert, take the money, get the money and do exactly what I did and talk and keep talking and keep robbing. Why Why do you have to keep talking? Why do you think it's... um... Because I think this is his biggest fear. Is that he thinks he can... He's done this his whole life and his business. This is their practice. They just throw money at things until it goes away. Everything can be bought. A toy, a person, happiness. No, you can't can't buy me off. That's what terrifies someone like him. But you did have to be bought off not in dollars and cents, but in job security because yeah. of your crime. So, so it's part of that for you. These people used your mistake to trap you, to, to put you back and actually to put you back in prison. So you're back in prison. Um, I think and- they knew, I think they knew I would either talk and forfeit, right? They just claw back and be like, see, he lied. Or that I was going to kill myself. And I I honestly almost did. I thought about it many times. I was very close. Like, So, I mean, those are, like, as a gambling man, yeah, I think those were wise bets. They thought I was just going to off myself. So what do you do to restore the relationship with your dad and your daughters? Because I know you're, you and your ex-wife have a, a mess. I feel like that, that will come around. Um, I just have to heal in my own way. Right. And I have to tell my own story. It's not fair for anyone else to tell my story. Um, and it's not over. Right. And I don't necessarily think it's the end. Right. You know what I mean? Of those relationships and stuff. Um, but I have to do this for me. This is for me. I've held this for too long. And if I, and I've got to set the example for the world. And for my kids, this is 
I wouldn't tell my kids to take the money and and then not tell someone if something happened to them, right? Like, I would never want anyone to carry the burden that I carried and drink the way I drank because of the burden. Okay, so then why not not take the money and just walk away? I set out I set out for a goal. And that was to make sure that he never got a chance to do this to someone again. And that if I couldn't get that, I was going to at least make sure every single set of eyes on the room were watching him. So what do you hope for you and your, your soul? Healing, definitely healing. Um, and I mean, I'm doing that. I've cut out toxic people in my life. I'm cutting out toxic behaviors, um, you know, getting therapy, using uh, prescribed medication for my mental health, um, trying to be an advocate here and talk to other victims and inspire others. And, you know, that's been the greatest wealth for my soul is just like finding that kind of purpose, you know, because my purpose before all of this was drinking and being alone, right? Like hiding and pushing relationships away because I just wanted to be left alone. And here I am on the world stage sober, right? Like it's, it's amazing. I'm just hoping I can, you know, do God's will, not my will. That's the reason why I'm here. Okay. Now let me push you just a little bit. So, but you, so you, you're, you're on the world stage, you're, you're getting healing, but you are still kind of pushing people away when I'm, I'm speaking about your family. So is that just something that has to be on the back burner for now or in terms of the, you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. I'm not no, trying I, to, I'm no, not trying no, to no. Keep... I, I do. I do know what you mean. And, um, and I think that's, that's pretty well put. It's not that it's even off the stove necessarily, in my opinion, it's just on the back burner for right now, because uh, I mean, I treat my sobriety that same way, you know, like my sobriety is absolutely first and it's okay to be selfish in those senses yeah. because if I'm not sober, I'm nothing to my kids. I'm nothing to my family or I'm nothing to anything, right? Like if you're not sober, you're just, it's not, you either get locked up, sobered up, buried up, right? And I'm not, I'm, I'm sobered up. I chose that one. When I was in therapy back in my thirties, um, I remember I was having some issues with my, not my wife and kids, but my extended family. And I remember going to one of my sisters and she was like, well, you just need to forgive us and move on. And I said, no, you know what my therapist said? She said, I just need to dig into this and that I right now get to be really super selfish and deal with me because you don't get I, to I, tell me how I'm supposed to heal. And I think that's what's interesting me, to, to me to me about some of the emails I got about you is a lot of these people really care about you and I think they're concerned about you, which is nice. I love to have people concerned, but I think it's also like, sometimes people don't understand um, every single one of us has to do this a little bit differently. And it's, right. it may not look like the prescription. And here, here's one little quick story I want to do to wrap this up a little bit. Um, I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan and he tells a story of Jonah. And I love this story because it's fitting for a lot of people right now. He says that, um, you know, when Jonah, Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh and tell these people that hated him that they were doing the wrong thing and he was going to destroy them. 
well, who the hell wants to do that? So he climbs on a boat, goes out, storm comes, fishermen are superstitious. They go, God's mad at somebody. Jonah says, yeah, it's probably me. Throw him out, ends up in a fish uh, for three days, comes out, ends up going and doing the thing. The moral of the story, according to Peterson, and I agree, is when you're told to do something, go do it. And it doesn't matter if anybody understands, it doesn't matter if it's comfortable, you go do it because if you if you hold your tongue, that's usually worse. There's a, there's a consequence for everything. And my prayer calling for me and you and all of us is that we, we learn to let, I'm gonna do what I gotta do and God will handle the consequences. Thank and you. They, and they may not be what I want or what you want, but it's like he handles the consequences of my life and if, you know, in my case, he'll, he'll call out the things we're doing wrong and he'll call and he'll, and he'll let us do the things that he wants us to do that are right. So I think it's fun. It, I, what's really interesting about this is this did make me a little nervous because I don't know your story and everything going on. But why is it so bad that we can't have these kind of conversations? And I think it does help men and women to know in what you're talking about in terms of being, you know, being trapped. Um, and again, by your past, which is so unfair, you know, you served your time. That's what all my felon friends, it's like people go, Oh, they're a felon. Well, they served their time. We gave them two and a half years. They served it. And now what? So you keep them in prison for the rest of their lives. And I'm family, proof that it works. Right. And family shit is family shit. It's going to happen everywhere. And you and you already told me more of the story, more of the story. And you you did fuck up <laughs> some things You're in, a, in a big way. But we all do. And you kind of move through and, you know, and you're paying the price for that. And those are the consequences. So, you know, I, I will also tell you that 90 percent of the emails I got told me that you have the biggest heart and, and that you really care about people. I do. I do. I, I genuinely do. And, and I mean, I, that's like such an important reminder, regardless if you're a victim or not, is that like, there is good out there in this world. There is nice people yep. and kindness costs nothing. Right. right. It's right. so easy to give it, kindness to someone. And as I'm sure you've seen in some of those emails, just the simplest thing that, I could do changed worlds, changed right. timelines for right. people, right? And this it, this interview, sir, will change timelines for people. It will well, change people's worlds. I guarantee it. Well, I hope so. And um, I really hope you know, the next time you do something like this, if there's another one coming along, would you please shoot some fucking video and send it ah! to me? I, ah! I mean... I would, well, that's, I would love to have video. Never said there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll get you my shirt you know, off my yeah, back well, from Robin Hood. I'm going to get you one of these. I think I have an old Get Real with Rick Dancer shirt. Yes. That, now we're talking, buddy. That, that um, It's a T-shirt, a black T-shirt, and I, I'm, I'm positive it'll fit you. You and, know what? <clears throat> Maybe we could do something because I'm sure some of my fans have told you how charitable I am. Maybe we could do like a calendar or something for a charity. That'd be fun. You know, think about it. Okay. Well, keep in <laughs> touch with me. Thank you for, you know, letting me kind of go go with you and, and go after you a little bit there. Yeah. And, um, and we'll see what happens. And if people, you guys 
here's the bottom line. If you don't believe him, that's okay. Um, you know, this is what he's saying his story is and um, time will tell and, and who knows. But if you miss the hidden messages because of um, a prejudice or something in you, um, the, the value of the conversation loses everything if you're if you're so hung up on that. Now, family members, I understand you've got a whole different thing going on here. And I do my prayer for you is that I, those two girls um, that the McCarthy family in terms of daughters are, you know, at one day that they understand. And, and you know, and that takes time. That's that's a that's a you can't. I've also told my sons, you know, if you have to go to therapy, that's that's my gift. <laughs> I had to do it. I, I was not a perfect parent and I welcome you to go to therapy. It's the best thing I ever did in my thirties. Can I, know? can I do a quick plug? Yeah, go ahead. For anyone who's looking to do therapy, try AA free meeting. You just throw a buck in the basket. It's way cheaper than most therapists. Right. And <laughs> what, what, and I've never been in AA, but I've seen enough and I've had enough friends that have been. Yeah. Your real therapists are the people like you who've gone through it with you. Mm -hmm. And and the way they pair people up with folks, um, I could give you a hundred stories of people that, um, you know, yes, there's somebody in charge, but they're just guiding the conversation. Healing comes in a community of people that just are, words. are dealing with, with <laughs> the same kind of things and can help you through it. So yeah, yeah more, more power to you. Colin Davis McCarthy, thank you for being on here. Um, we'll see what happens. And keep in contact with me. Yes, and sir. And email me and remind me because we'll switch shirts. I can get your address and we'll mail them and, and get our thing going here. Because I, too, want to be Robin Hood. There you go. <laughs> Anyone can be. That's the yeah. beauty. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you thank for you, being Thank you, Mr. Here. Dancer. You're welcome, my friend. All right. Does he not know Mr. Dancer's my dad? <laughs> whenever people used to come up to me and say, Hey, Mr. Dancer, I go, Oh my God, no, no, that's my dad. But actually my dad is dead. So I am now Mr. Dancer. Wow. That makes me old. Um, I so enjoyed that. Um, yeah. You know, this is what we need to be doing more of this kind of stuff. Conversations about hard issues, about things that make people uncomfortable. And again, like Colin and I were talking, if, if, you have questions, then you go ahead and ask them. That's fine. Um, but remember, give people a little wiggle room. You know, we all have our stuff. And wiggle room is a real gift. I'm Rick Dancer. Uh, tomorrow night, we have a really interesting show, too. Um, oh, and if you didn't see my show last night, my show, our show, because you're part of it. Um, I interviewed a 17-year-old girl who was sex trafficked at the age of seven. Her mother's boyfriend sold her and she was sold a hundred times in her small little 10 years. And um, I have had so many people reaching out to me over this with, with stories of their own families that this is going on. This is not a Republican or a Democrat issue of sex trafficking. And then they're trying to, the parties are trying to make it that, and it's not. This is about human value. And you go watch that girl speak. She was very brave. And it's been really impacting people a lot. The second thing is tomorrow night, I have a gentleman who uh, 
Uh, the town I live in, there's an Amish community nearby. I know very little about it. Um, but this guy wrote me after I had shown some pictures of me um, out in the woods building a bonfire with these Amish folks. And he, he left the Amish community and said, I would like to talk about that. So that's a little edgy and could be a little top for people, but um, I want to hear what he learned and what was going on and why he left. So that's tomorrow night, uh, five o'clock Oregon time, seven or six o'clock Montana time. All right. Have a good evening. Share this on your page. Good night.